welcome to Geek Critique, the podcast that pairs a compelling theme with one of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week, we are looking at defiance in Harry Potter, a long-awaited topic. Yes, indeed. We've been very excited about this. We have. (laughs) But before we get into our discussion, we have a geeky fact to share about one of our patrons. Oh, yay. Yes. So I'm sure you've heard this name every episode Mm -hmm. we've ever done. Kimberly Taylor Pestel of Lacelet. She is one of our amazing patrons, and here is her geeky fact. For my 30th birthday, we planned a Nerdy 30 theme costume party, complete with a menu of butterbeer cookies, Obi-Wan tons, onion rings to rule them all, <laughs> and even Katniss kebabs, which had apples and bacon with an arrow skewer that was shot through. That's great. <laughs> yes. And also it included Settlers of Catan cookie mm. cake that had individual hexagons that an amazing sister of hers made from scratch. Oh, Stephanie made those? That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I made those. Maybe I'll share a photo <laughs> in our show notes. Maybe. We'll see how pompous I am this week. <laughs> but... Also included in this party was a handmade geeky photo booth with props. And we also played Nerdy 30 Jeopardy game show, which had categories like Name That Nerd, Try Not Know or Know Not, (laughs) Nerd of the Rings, and Harry Potter Wisdom. I get it. You do? Because they're wizards. I didn't think you normally got puns. Yeah, no, I got that one. Oh, okay. This one. (laughs) Harry Potter-related puns. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) So she says, it was so much fun and the best way to celebrate the start of the new decade in a true geek fashion. That sounds awesome. Unfortunately, I was not in your lives yet, so I did not attend. But I definitely took inspiration with my own Nerdy 30 party. You did. Uh, And I'm very glad I did. Much, Much better than... Dirty 30, which I've also heard. I know. What is what is even the point? <laughs> <laughs> when you can do nerdy 30. Flirty 30, I guess. Uh, that could be a thing. Still, but nerdy 30 is just... That's the only way. Yeah. Well, we are so grateful to you, Kimberly, for your patronage of the podcast and your support. Uh, if you want to be like Kimmy and have your own geeky fact read on the podcast, you just need to join our Patreon. Yeah. And... Lacelet created these amazing Harry Potter stickers of like different houses, have their Mm. own different sheets. There's a spew badge and a Dumbledore's army galleon. So you really need to go check those out because she's such an amazing part of our community and has made our logos Mm. and our Patreon buttons and everything. She is partnering with us to do a free shipping on orders over $25 if it's domestic. And you'll get entered to win a free limited edition sorting hat mini art print. Oh, fun. Yes, adorable. So check that out in our our episode description. All you need to do is use coupon code GEEK. 2019 you'll automatically be entered and you'll get emailed to let you know if you won and you'll get free shipping over 24 dollars. so you should check that out and this offer this harry potter inspired offer (laughs) expires the very last day of this year so do it before then 
So why don't we get into our episode and we'll start with an amazing quote. So this quote comes from Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and it takes place during Harry Potter's very first Defense Against the Dark Arts class with Professor Snape. Do you remember me telling you we are practicing non-verbal spells, Potter? Yes, said Harry stiffly. Yes, sir. There's no need to call me sir, Professor. Yay! <laughs> best line ever! It maybe, really is. It, just the it, best line. Right? It may be my favorite <laughs> quote ever. of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, I know this line by heart, and yet I can look at it and still bust up laughing right? every time because it's just so it audacious makes, and great. I it love makes it. me smile every time. It's just <laughs> so excellent. Yeah. So... Harry's defiant. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) Harry is a defiant person. And I think a lot of his defiance does come out towards Snape. Yeah, Snape kind of pulled his wand on him to kind of surprise attack him with a spell. So he's kind of taken off balance for Mm -hmm. it. Clearly was in a bad mood with (laughs) Snape as he tends to be. He was unhappy to see Snape there as the professor in his favorite subject at all. Yeah. But Not that the, he's had great professors in that subject. That's true. He just came from Umbridge. Like, even Snape <laughs> even is Snape's a step better. up. At least they're practicing spells. And nonverbal shield charms is pretty useful. Super useful, yeah. yeah but uh, yes. Oh, Harry. <laughs> and, okay, so in the show notes, uh, we haven't necessarily done a ton of show notes recently because we haven't talked about a ton of things outside the scope of just that, mm. our, what we're talking about in our podcast on that episode, but this will be one where there will be things, <laughs> and I'm going to share one of my favorite little fan art pieces. So it's basically... Luna asking Neville what he thinks about when he <laughs> casts his Patronus. <laughs> and Neville's just, you see him like thinking about that interchange between Snape and Harry and just this smile on his face. And it's just amazing. It's so, so good. I will put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. We were also thinking of another quote uh, by Harry for this. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many to choose. There really are. There's quite a bit of defiance in Harry Potter series. (laughs) Yes. But at the end of the entire series, when he has his final showdown with Voldemort, just their conversation that happens is just so excellent and Mm -hmm. just makes me feel like so, I don't know, like, bubbling over with power or something even though i'm not the one doing it (laughs) whenever i read it it's just like yes hell yeah (laughs) exactly like he just like calls him tom riddle yes i dare (laughs) you don't understand riddle like it's just so amazing so you should all as soon as you're done with listening to this episode just go and read that the dialogue that happens in the flaw in the plan chapter at the end of, of the Deathly Hallows. So, yes. Oh, so good. But I believe that will lead us to whatever character you brought. I can't imagine who. So my character is Dobby. 
No. Actually, no, Harry Potter. I was going to say, <laughs> you did not do that to me. I worked very hard to make all of my points not be just about Harry Potter because I knew you were going to pick Harry Potter. No, of course you have to pick Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry is such a defiant boy and <laughs> I love it so much. Defiantest boy. He's the defiantest boy, exactly. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, it's like he and Katniss Everdeen, like they could battle it out for like who's the most defiant. Mm-hmm. Harry's is great too because it starts when he's an eleven-year-old boy. Like <laughs> yeah. he's an eleven-year-old who's like, I am going. To, sure, I'll like I'll tell Professor McGonagall that there's this stuff going down, but I'm also going to go down with my two other 11-year-old friends down into the dungeons to fight someone who is a grown wizard who I think is working for Voldemort. Like, I'll be fine. Like, (laughs) It's not even that I'll be fine. It's like, I have to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And that continues on, like, throughout. And, you know, even with uh, his confrontation with the young Riddle and with his confrontations with all these different Mm -hmm. people, he's so consistently defiant and it just grows as he kind of gains more agency and becomes more and more disappointed with the structures of the Wizarding Society. Yeah. And I just love it so much. And I think that the best example is, of course, basically all of book five. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. (laughs) When the ministry's being dumb and Harry does not stand for it. Yeah. (laughs) The best example is the longest Harry Potter book of the series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that you mentioned even with the young riddle. Mm -hmm. Because I I just rereading the books and just read that last night. And (laughs) it's just amazing. Right after he realizes that the man standing before him is Voldemort, the person who killed not only his parents, but is the most feared dark wizard of the age. Mm-hmm. Tried to kill him twice by then. Right? And the very next thing he says is, you're not the greatest sorcerer in the world. Sorry to disappoint you and all. Like, <laughs> just sorry to disappoint you and all. Like, Still so sassy. Right? It's a 12-year-old. <laughs> and I think so much of that comes from, like, that was the only way he could get back to... The- to the Dursleys, you know? Mm-hmm. Very specifically Dudley, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think even Vernon, he kind of grows into that as he feels more empowered. But, like, sure. those kinds of comments that they're not outwardly defiant, but still have that intention behind it, where Dudley just won't understand it because he's a dummy. <laughs> I'll run away before he, like, puts it together. <laughs> exactly, right? And so, like, that's kind of like a tactic that he gained in, in how to have agency in this terrible situation growing up. And Well, and I think also, like, how to keep his... I don't know if I like the term sanity, but how to keep a little bit of mental health, you know? Mm. in In a situation that he had no power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... That continues, and and I think that his relationship with Umbridge is the best example of it, because similarly, he doesn't have any power, and she tries to silence him, and he refuses to be silenced. He refuses to let go of the one thing that isn't even that helpful for him, seeing as how everyone still kind of doesn't believe him and (laughs) gives him a hard time about it, but he still is not going to shut up because he thinks he knows what's right, and Mm -hmm. he will not complain that she's torturing him because he doesn't want her to win. Yeah, and he signs up for more torture mm-hmm. just because he's like, no, you're, you're telling lies and I cannot 
sit here and not say something. Exactly. Yeah, which I think is one of the most amazing things, if not the most, about his character. Yeah, and till till the end, he defies so much of kind of what's placed on him. And sometimes that's for good, sometimes that's for bad. You know, <laughs> him defying Snape during the Occlumency lessons, not, not so great. Not a great time for that, Harry. <laughs> you know, uh, similar to kind of what we were talking about with the quote, maybe Snape is not the best person to teach him those <sighs> lessons. Really? <laughs> I thought it was a great pairing of, like, method and Those background. are two people who really should be vulnerable with each other. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, so Harry is hashtag the defiantest boy, and it's something that can at times be a weakness, but is also something that I admire and laugh at quite often because mm-hmm. he has some of the, just the best lines. Yeah, I mean, no matter how many times I read the books, it still will make me smile when I'm reading it. Totally. Another way that I think is super amazing that he's defiant is with his use of Expelliarmus. Oh, yes. Right? So true. Because that is defying how everything supposedly should work in war. And not only in what your aim is, your aim is to stop this dark wizard and everybody around him is looking to him to do this, yet he still has that bold defiance of not playing by their rules and Mm. not doing what is just expected of him because he believes that this is right and in the face of a killing curse he is going to disarm yeah and it's it's i think it's one of the things i love about the beginning of the seventh book his flight from private drive because You know, he gets chastised for using Expelliarmus because he thinks he's not, you know, he sees Stan Shunpike and he's like, I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to stun him and cause his death. And they're able to find out that it's him because he uses it. That really shows how to find the use of that spell is because no one else uses it because mm-hmm. no one else would do that. And of course, Harry will. And oh, it's just so good. Yeah. Oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. If we could all be as defiant in, as him in the good ways. I know, right? he's defiant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, well, what plot did you bring? So I wanted to talk about the modes of defiance used against Umbridge's oppressive methods, authority, and bigotry. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different ones. Like we were talking before, like there's one-on-one defiance where he is sitting in detention with her Mm -hmm. and he's just not going to act like he's in pain he's not going to give in to what he knows that she wants to see from him he's not even going to rise to the bait of you know her being like oh is something wrong Mm -hmm. you know like he's just gonna be like nope and i'm gonna continue writing my lines so he has like this one-on-one defiance but then there's also public defiance that is used against her the weasley twins Mm -hmm. with their swamps and their departure like the most public defiant act of no we will not be under your oppressive regime Mm -hmm. we were just saying no to you in front of all the other students and it's just amazing 
yeah, saying no to the entire system mm-hmm. of education at that point. Exactly. Of, and the ministry, yeah. right? Because she was appointed by them, which, yeah. And that's so such good. such a radical act of defiance, too, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, it's someone today who drops out of high school, not because of need in their family or what have you, but because they believe that the public education system itself furthers economic and racial inequalities, which it does. Like, that would be mm. a valid way of, like, like, if you decided that that was what you're going to do to drop out, like, I, I understand. But it's so radical, I can't imagine doing it, right. you know? Mm-hmm. It costs so much, and the Weasley twins just do it with such glee, and it's amazing. Right, and it's inspiring for all of these students mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. But then there's also more subtle defiance mm-hmm. that people who are a little more cunning, <laughs> like Hermione, mm-hmm. does in class by asking questions. And, but it's like, she uses the structure that's there mm-hmm. you won't allow us to actually practice magic because we just have to sit here and read this book well i'm going to read the whole book exactly now what are you going to give me to do yeah you know and it's just this defiance but that cannot get her in trouble mm-hmm. because she's not doing anything against the rules and she is, i love that she is raising the expectations mm-hmm. for her education and Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> and like her, her challenge of the textbook's author, right? And his mm-hmm. ideas is just like, it's so amazing. She's showing, like just thinking of like my lesson planning as I'm teaching classes and stuff like that. What you, the kind of skills that you want your teaching to bring out. She is showing those skills mm. so well of critical analysis and comfort comfort you know, making an argument and all these other kinds of things, she's then shut down for it in certain ways. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just, yeah, it is such a powerful moment of learning and what learning should look like and why Umbridge is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And like, that's what I love. The twins are saying, no, we are not going to participate in this Mm. because of how wrong this is. And she is saying oh no, my defiance is going to be my competence. Mm -hmm. It's going to be that I am engaged so much that you need to do more work. So great. Or I'm going to succeed despite you. I'm not going to let you hold me back. Mm -hmm. Because that is Umbridge's plan in some sense, right? She doesn't want people trained in these ways because it gives Dumbledore more power or the ministry or whatever. Mm -hmm. But she's like, no, I'm not going to let you determine my competency. And I'm going to use your rules against you. Yes, yes, yes. Until she doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Until she's like, well. Until she's like, maybe I could get a better teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is that. Um, Did you have other kinds of defiance that you wanted to point out? Yes. So there's so many. Um, Okay, so I have two more. Okay. So one is also kind of within the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is Dumbledore letting Trelawney stay. Mm. Right? Cause she's like, oh, she has to leave because I have power over firing, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, sure, but you don't have power to remove anyone from the ground. So she gets to stay. And then going to hire for rent, mm-hmm. which is the last person that Umbridge would ever want so hired. So true. <laughs> because she's so... Racist. Know, exactly. So <laughs> racist and... 
wizards and witches are above every other species in this half breed, you know, and the fact that he's like, well, I still get to hire, so I'm going to hire this person, and you're going to have to work with him, (laughs) and you're not going to be able to fire him. And it's just like using the rules, using the role that the ministry has given because he did not want to, you know, get removed from his position mm-hmm. for for the sake of the school. And I just, I love that too. <laughs> Makes me so happy. And then lastly, defiance by breaking the rules, which would obviously be the DA. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore's army is so great <laughs> in so many ways. One of the things that makes that book, I think, so rich and it's just so powerful that the kids are having to be wiser than the authorities and they're having to take their education into their own hands and they're, they're willing to risk everything, you know, expulsion and their wand being snapped because they are recognizing that Voldemort is back and this is a matter of life and death and not only their lives and deaths but those of their friends and family Mm. and so it's worth the risk it's also just so great it's amazing basically conclusion for we haven't even gotten to the end of the episode but like conclusion for everything it's so great it's great and you didn't even bring up one of my other favorite parts oh i'm sure there's more (laughs) uh mcgonagall's defiance of umbridge yes in their parent or in their teacher meeting about you know his career advice Mm -hmm. oh my god uh (laughs) her like oh well he's gotten great grades in all of his defense against the dark arts classes and she's like Mm -hmm. well you can see that he's not doing well in mine she's like oh i meant by qualified by qualified (laughs) it's like oh oh so good (laughs) and like and i love it because as a teacher like mcgonagall earlier in the book is like Harry, you need to be less defiant. You need to <laughs> go with the flow, have a biscuit, and hang out. <laughs> and, but when it comes to, like, his ability to succeed and, like, what they should be doing as teachers, mm-hmm. she cannot sit by and let Umbridge destroy Harry's prospects. And yeah. she just doesn't and i i love it so much <laughs> right well and her other moment in class too when she keeps interrupting her and then she's like yes. um you said that you wanted to get a feel for how i run my classes well i don't usually permit anyone else to talk while i'm talking <laughs> so good it's great it's amazing and and mm. all, you know looking at the teachers, you know, they are in a more precarious position mm-hmm. where defiance can lose them quite a bit and make it so they're unable to help students in certain ways if they defy yeah. umbrage, right? Well, and I think that is the main thing, is that it's not just because they don't want to lose their job. I think so much more it's that they want the kids to actually be able to learn Yes. rather than more classes just look like Defense Against the Dark Arts where they sit and read a book and they don't practice anything that they need to know in this violent world that they're living in. Exactly. And so it is more, you know, their defiance does come through, but it's more that kind of sneaky defiance where it can't be outright and explicit, but it's, mm-hmm. I don't know how to stop, get the swamp out of here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Peeves, it turns the other way. You know, it's these kind of quiet defiance that is a defiance of not helping as opposed to explicitly 
uh, challenging and it's just amazing. Yeah, the fifth book has gone from one of my least favorites to one of my favorites in large part because of the resistance against Umbridge. Uh, I mean, and and I also just love Snape, especially Alan Rickman's. Yeah. Obviously. Like when she's like, and you didn't get the defense against the Dark Lord's position. It's just so good. Uh, um, yes. But yes, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but we should probably move on to your compelling question. It's most likely a good idea, yes. Yeah. My compelling question is, why do you think Voldemort chooses not to have open defiance, both when he is a student and soon after he graduates and when he comes back? So I think he did not when he was a student, partially because he wanted to continue to learn. Mm. And if he got expelled, he wouldn't have the qualifications to be able to work in the wizarding world in general. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, he doesn't want to go back to the muggle world, obviously, because he's Voldemort. Yeah. So I think part of it's that. Maybe part of it is I don't think he wanted anyone to know that Tom Riddle was Voldemort. Hmm. Because he disappeared for several years and created all of, you know, most of his horcruxes and did so many different types of magic that he was unrecognizable. And that's why most people didn't know that there was a boy named Tom Riddle that became Voldemort. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, yeah, there was a boy at Hogwarts called Tom Riddle. I don't know what happened to him, you know. I think he wanted to be as far away from that muggle history as possible Mm. and so he couldn't have had open defiance early and maybe he was also afraid of Dumbledore Mm. why he didn't later one maybe he was also still afraid of Dumbledore and I kind of wonder if he um I think he wanted to create a social environment that discredited Harry Mm. and I guess maybe I, I, would, I would phrase it like this. By slowly having more people in the ministry be sympathetic to his agenda, mm-hmm. he could make it not just an outright polarizing thing where Voldemort came back, everybody who was against him before is just going to rally and all of these new people are going to rally too. Mm-hmm. But when it comes you know, more slowly from the top, I feel like people oftentimes, they won't see it as quickly and they might not as radically react to it. So I don't know. Those are a couple of my thoughts. Yeah. I was thinking something very similarly um, because I think that particularly in his later years, the fact that he didn't come out right away meant that he could utilize a more subtle defiance to basically instill fear and distrust in systems of society where people no longer can trust all sorts of different kinds of things, right? The ministry doesn't trust Harry and then you can't trust the ministry and then, you know... Can't trust the reporting the reporting the people who are on your doorstep right people have to have these you know checks for the imperious curse and all these other kinds of things Mm -hmm. where the whole society becomes more and more scared and frightened and yeah does not trust in 
the institutions of society. And it honestly kind of reminds me of just like the rise of Trumpism, you know, mm-hmm. of being able to gain legitimacy by delegitimizing other institutions by saying the Mm -hmm. press is the enemy you cannot trust these sources of information not because they're inherently untrustworthy because they disagree with me and the less trust that we have in institutions and in fairness of society and in all these other kinds of things the less or the easier we are to be manipulated and Mm -hmm. i think that's show says a lot to how voldemort's coup of the ministry is so easy yep because by that time people were already so distrustful and so isolated that he was able to 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 take over much more easily and confidently absolutely i mean and and i think that is one of the key words is isolated and it reminds me of pinochet's regime in chile Mm. right and how these secret police type of entities would just make people disappear and there was so much fear and torture and everything that happened that it helped fragment society where you couldn't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. And when you can't trust anyone, you can't join together in, in a united front of opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was smart of Voldemort to do. Definitely. But also bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm definitely pretty anti-Voldemort. In my stance, pretty, pretty, yeah, most of the time, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> uh, I do think his his earlier defiance or lack thereof is is actually really interesting, though, because I think that that's kind of where he learned that uh, though he uses more explicit tactics, that working and working within and manipulating the system can be really beneficial. Because there he still has the charm that he's known for when he's Tom Riddle. And mm-hmm. he used that Tom to get ahead so much, um, you know, at least as much as he uses his actual magical powers. And I think that he finds a power there as well. And mm-hmm. he utilizes it. And he utilizes it for as much as his, he can get from it. But as he acts more and more inhumanely, he loses so much of that his ability to be charming. He still has some sort of charisma as a leader, but he doesn't have the same charm that he had as he loses his kind of handsome features. So I wonder how that kind of changes his tactics from a background defiance as he focuses more and more on the actions that he chooses and in particular making his horcruxes to protect his life in his view, even if it lessens his life in the view of someone like Dumbledore. But uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's an interesting kind of way of looking at Voldemort as an antagonist, but an antagonist who himself uses really interesting, clever tactics in his defiance. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the thing. He gets held up a lot because of his narcissism, mm. but his cleverness is there. Yeah. He is confident for a reason. It's just, it makes him overconfident and then he thinks he's the best and he, he's not. So yes, bested by a boy. <laughs> Well, seeing as how this conversation has gone on pretty long, (laughs) we're going to finish this episode next week. So we'll have a part one and a part two so that you can get more of this good defiance and Harry Potter goodness uh, with next week's episode. Yeah, there's just too much to talk about. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Critique. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Critique Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter. 
You can also go to our website at bit.ly slash geekcritique or join patrons like the amazing Kimberly Taylor Pastel, who we talked about at the beginning of the episode, at patreon.com slash geekcritiquepod. Don't forget to put in your orders. Yeah, seriously, do that now. Uh, go to lacelet.com, search for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram, or just go to her Etsy page, and remember to use the code GEEK2019. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet to read Chris's last blog post for the month of October, you probably want to check it out because it is about a very Potter musical. So you should read what he has to say about it, both the pros and cons of the hilarious musical series about Harry Potter. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) We'll include a link to it in our episode description. Yes, definitely. And you can also find a link to our show notes in our episode description as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you with next week's episode. Until then, geek, geek out! out.